In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 279. That's right, 279. Uh, what is on deck today? It is actually... Not a well, not a Green Lantern specific topic, but it has to do with the Justice League. Well, y- you know what? Screw it. Let's. I'm, I'm not going to try and make any sort of false bravado preamble. <laughs> if well, there is there is Green Lantern in the material, so it, so it makes some sense that we're covering it. Yes, uh, we just as we were last year around this exact same time. We are a part of JL May 2017, and if you're following. Along, there's a good chance that you've already been made aware of that because we're covering uh, the Alex Ross story, Justice, and we're covering issue number six. We're a part of this along with the Fire and Water community podcast community, Idlehead of Diablo, uh, Shazam Cast, uh, Waiting for Doom, a whole bunch of other podcasts that I'm sure you guys migrated from. But if you're a regular listener of the show, I wanted to give you guys the opportunity before we got into the material to know what we are covering. Uh, As I said, we are covering Justice, uh, the Alex Ross uh, series, and um, where there's a bunch of other podcasts uh, covering this. Um, Issue one was covered by the Fire and Water podcast uh, over on the Fire and Water podcast network. Issue two was covered by the Supermates podcast, also a part of the Fire and Water podcast network. Issue 3 was covered by the Idlehead of Diablo. Issue 4 was covered by Views from the Longbox, our buddy Michael Bailey over there. Uh, uh, Justice number 5 was covered by the Pulp to Pixel podcast. And we are covering issue number 6. So chances are, if you're following along with JLMA, you've already listened to those episodes. And if you are not, if you're just a regular listener of this show, just wanted to give you a heads up. Those, that's where you can find the first five episodes covering uh, this series. Um, before we get into it, though, everybody else seems to be kind of doing this. So, uh, Mark, have you ever read Justice before? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're obviously they're they're all covering it, and we're not going to do too many spoilers about where the series is headed. We don't want to give away too much for people who have, you know, six more episodes to listen to. Um, but what are your memories of the series? Other than saying vague, my memories are <laughs> I, I liked. I re, I remember obviously the Alex Ross art. I remembered. I did kind of like the storyline. I liked the way 
as as we'll get into the issue, it'll make sense as, as again as opposed to spoilers, just how the tables are kind of turned for a lot of the series and what we're kind of not what we're used to from that perspective. I kind of that that I remembered. So I did, and it was kind of a when it came out in 2006, it was kind of a big deal still. I you know so I I I I do have fond memories of this. I know somewhere buried in my in my t- tub o oh, tubs of comics, I do have uh I do have these issues. I do I should have the entire series somewhere, but it's been a long time since I read the whole thing. You know, uh, I've actually never read Justice, uh, and, <laughs> and, and and I've actually uh, it's not that I didn't know it existed because I'll be honest with you, um, it's going to sound kind of odd, but I like Alex Ross and I love everything he does. You know, I, I can appreciate his style. I can appreciate the amount, of, the sheer amount of work he puts into it. You know, it's it's impossible not to be enraptured by his work. At the same time, though, just because I like it that much doesn't necessarily mean it's ever been a really big draw for me. It was really difficult to me for me to get through Kingdom Come, not just not because I didn't like the art. It was just for some reason the way that art looked with word bubbles juxtaposed over it, it looked weird to me, and it took me a long time to force my way through Kingdom Come. And I know that sounds weird because Kingdom Come is like this, you know, seminal DC Comics work. And don't get me wrong, hindsight being twenty twenty, I really do love Kingdom Come. But for some reason, Alex Ross, though I like him, has never been a draw for me. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I just can't, you know, <laughs> I just can't like get super excited when I see Alex Ross do something other than like a new pinup of some, you know, characters or, or whatever. Um, but as such, I didn't really want to invest in a trade, and all the trades at my LCS are, you know, their cover price. Um, and anytime I saw Justice in the back issues at my LCS, in the back issue bins, you know, in the dollar bins, they're there, but there's always it's always missing like issues three through six or something. You know what I mean? And it's so it's not worth it. I'm not going to pick up the ones I find and then hope to find the ones later. I don't do that anymore. If I'm going to pick up a series, I want like a run of them. I don't want to get like, oh, there's issue one and two and five, six, seven, eight, and then 11 and 12. I'm going to get the others later when I can find them. I don't do that anymore. Um, so as such, I keep coming across it, but I've never actually read it. Um, in this case, I've read issues one through six, obviously, and I'm going to be following along with everybody as the podcasts progress. Um, but I just I find it hard to to become devoted to an Alex Ross series. Does that make any sense? Like you love the art and and you can like the writers but like for some reason you're just like in the, I don't really want to see it in graphic novel form. I'd rather see it maybe in an art gallery or something. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but whatever. <clears throat> Certainly interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I like your shit. I just don't want to look at it. <laughs> yeah, that don't put it in my face. <laughs> You're a great artist. I just never want to see it again. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it makes no sense. I just, I, I don't know. For some reason, I just. Uh, maybe maybe my mind just wants to pay more attention to the art because of the quality of the art, um, and the amount of work I know goes into it. Um, I don't know. But either way. So we're covering uh, we're 
Back, back to reality, people. Uh, <laughs> we're covering issue six uh, of this series uh, of Justice. Uh, the story so far, the so-called supervillains of the world have made seemingly goodwill attempts to fix the world, trying in to end world hunger and you know uh, saving people from diseases and issues and blah, blah, blah. All the while attacking the Justice League. In this issue, you'll see a couple of different kind of things. Obviously, we're, we're halfway through this series, so you're going to be kind of thrown in the middle of it. But various attacks have taken on various uh, have, have been uh, executed on various Justice Leaguers, and all of this has been kind of triggered by this seemingly collective dream that all the supervillains have had. And that's about as far as I'm going to go into kind of recapping uh, the basic gist of where we're at, uh, just because most of you presumably have already listened to the prior five episodes covering uh, the first five issues of this series. So we open in Justice number six, and we have a creative team of Jim Kruger and Alex Ross on story, Jim Kruger on the script, Doug Braithwaite and Alex Ross on the art, Todd Klein doing the lettering. Michael Wright is the assistant editor. Joey Cavallari is the editor, and cover is by Alex Ross. <clears throat> we open in space with uh, Captain Marvel, as he was then known, uh, expressing some concern about throwing Superman into the sun. Last issue, Superman realized he was being slightly controlled, slightly taken over by some sort of worm-like mind-control-type parasites. Uh, and he's like, the only way you can really get me out of this is, hey, throw me into the sun. <laughs> uh, so we see Captain Marvel following through on that. Meanwhile, back down on Earth, we see um, Ray Palmer speaking with Gene Loring. Uh, he's in the hospital recovering from a gunshot wound. In comes a nurse with familiar red lips and red hair and wearing a, uh, an odd bracelet on her um on her wrist, Jean leaves the room, and that is when this nurse attacks and shoves a pillow over his face, trying to suffocate him. Uh, he goes all atomy by shrinking down and attacks her. She grows to massive size, and we can see it's Giganta. He says, by the way, you have something in your eye, and he dives towards her eye. Um, Giganta goes flying out of the hospital building just as Jean Loring reaches her car. Ray lands on Jean's shoulder. He says, I'm okay, honey, but I think I'm bleeding again. Meanwhile, out in the middle of the black blackness of presumably space, we see Hal Jordan flying around trying to figure out where the heck he actually is. Again, in a prior issue, Sinestro attacked Hal using a boom tube and sent him off God knows where. Uh, and we say God knows where because... God doesn't, <laughs> and presumably the Guardians don't either, because as Hal is having a conversation with his ring, he realizes that they are beyond the uh, knowledge of the Guardians, which, uh, as the ring tells him that, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> Hal responds, you don't know how long I've wanted to hear, I've waited to hear that they don't know everything. <laughs> uh, he's asking about the power reserves uh, of the ring, uh, what the options are. He says, Ring, if you translated my being into a series of electronic impulses, how long could you support me within you? The ring says indefinitely, but were anyone else to take the ring, you would be lost forever. Hal says, uh, he says, 
It says, still, there is no guarantee we will ever be found. He says, dead in seven hours or lost forever. That's the best I can hope for. Very well, do it. And the ring sucks him into its uh, electronic matrix, I guess. Meanwhile, John Jones and Hawk Girl and Hawk Man are flying above the city, uh, making plans to meet up later. Back down on Earth, we see a holographic projection of Brainiac. We also see Lex Luthor and Gorilla Grodd discussing the current plans, what's been going on, and the intervention in the uh, taking over of Superman by Captain Marvel and how it was an it was an unforeseen event. They ask Grodd for an update, saying, "Is Superman under your control?" He says, "No, I have no sense of him. He may be dead." And Lex Luthor says, "I've learned basically not to jump to those conclusions." Meanwhile, across the world, we see a gentleman putting uh, uh, drops in various people's eyes, uh, which is obviously a, a hint towards what we saw earlier with uh, Giganta. And we see a bearded man uh, trying to gain access to one of the black sphered cities that the quote unquote supervillains have put up into the skies as a sort of utopia safe haven for everybody. They're also asking everybody, where is the Justice League and, um, and how is everybody doing? We see Superman come flying out of the sun. Captain Marvel grabs him. And then we see uh, Wonder Woman having been uh, ar- having arrived outside the Batcave. She's scratched up by her conf- confrontation with Cheetah from several issues ago. She enters the Batcave and sees it overgrown with various vegetation. And Batman is there tied up. And uh, he says, you know, isn't it obvious Poison Ivy's here? Uh, Wonder Woman and Poison Ivy get into it. Plants versus Wonder Woman. She frees Batman and then we cut away to um, to the uh, to Hawkman and Hawkgirl as they enter a building and are suddenly attacked by tons and tons of toys. Uh, after they see the warehouse that they have entered isn't a warehouse; it's a factory, and that they're building Brainiacs. We see who they've been attacked by: Toy Man. Meanwhile, we see. Uh, Superman and Captain Marvel uh, and Captain Marvel says you said the mechanical things inside of you were like worms I'm afraid Mr. Mind is somehow involved but why not attack me then we can check uh, we can check the satellite if you like it'll give us a chance to talk they fly towards the satellite and just as they fly towards it it explodes uh, Shazam asks do you see anything of Red Tornado Superman is there anything left of him back over in the Batcave Batman is attacking Wonder Woman. She puts her lasso around him, and he finally comes to his senses uh, and uh, attacks uh, Poison Ivy. When he attacks Poison Ivy, you see Alfred lose it because he's presumably out of her control as well, her slash Grodd's control. And Batman says, because of your lasso, basically, I am, I am compelled to do the right thing. I'm compelled to tell you the truth, and, and that's the only thing kind of affecting the mind control parasite type stuff that's happening to me. Meanwhile, over at Ferris Air, we see John Stewart approach Carol Ferris and Tom Kalmaku, asking if anybody's seen Hal. And Tom gives the very helpful advice of he's probably up there, <laughs> pointing at the sky. <laughs> to which John replies, "Thanks. That narrows it down." <laughs> Out in space, maybe. 
again, there's no stars, there's no sun, there's no planets. It's just blackness that the ring is flying through. We see Hal inside this green construct city that the ring is presumably created for him. He says, Sinestro did this to me, ring. Sinestro killed me. He stole a boom tube from New Genesis or Apocalypse or whatever, and he exiled me here, lost in space. Ring, I want to see the city. Why did Ebenser give me the ring in the first place? Why did he why give me the power of a god? Ring, while we're down going down, I want the elevator to shake a little like an old elevator. Old old elevator. And play me the Musak version of Mad Love. Ring, how do I create people here who have a will of their own? The ring responds and says, I do not understand the question. How do I make people who I don't control or who don't disappear the moment I am no longer looking at them? I do not understand the question. No, I guess you don't. I wonder how long it will be before I let space take me. Back over on Earth, somewhere else, we see the Metal Men crowded outside in a sort of waiting room-like area while Zatanna and Dr. Magnus are trying to piece back together Red Tornado. He comes back online long enough to say, Aquaman, I found Aquaman. And then as we zoom out onto Earth, uh, he says he's con- com- he's commanding the fish to show us where he is. He's in, in Ar- He's in Argentina, and we see, as we zoom closer into Earth, a red streak fly across the planet, then across the water, and it's flashing, I can't stop, I can't stop, I can't stop. And that ends this issue. What do you think? There were some interesting. There were there were there were a bunch of interesting things, but again, since we're jumping in the middle, the, the most the most relevant stuff to look at, just because of why we're here, is the Green Lantern stuff. <laughs> I I like the fact that in a way that in a way him being inside the ring, it kind of is maybe coincidental, maybe not. It kind of like reminds you of when he was recreating Coast City and Emerald Twilight. Yeah. Uh, in a way, trying to get the same kind of thing, trying to achieve some permanence, uh, permanence, and to try to get some uh, individuality going there, not just you know, just not a pure reflection of what he want of what he wants to see. Uh, I, I do like the. I think this issue is interesting just because you see you, you kind of see Hal doing a little bit more thinking in a way than what we're used to. We're used to Hal just doing flying off the you know the seat of his pants kind of thing. And and I like the fact that the whole idea of tra- you know when he asked the ring about transferring, you know, translating him essentially into electronic you know beeps and everything else. And if you do a, if you do the digital version of me, how long can you keep me alive? And I just like the fact that that, that isn't something you would think how would uh how would really think of. True, but depending depending on because the Justice League is already formed at this point, and I don't know necessarily the chronology of this Alex Ross story, like where we are in the timeline of these characters, but presumably Hal has already been within the ring or knows somebody who has, because that's, that's not a new concept. Even within the past 10, 20 years, that was something that happened early in the first 60s series, right? I think so, but we certainly don't, we don't see a reference that often. So, uh, and usually we know, and yeah, of course, we know this is a little different because this is because Alex Ross has direct influence on this, as opposed to let's say, like we see in, in the, like the New Fifty Two version of Hal with the Justice League being formed, or we've seen in other places where Hal's just this cocky jerk who just never thinks. So we yeah. know this is not that 
this really isn't that version of Hal as much. You know, there's more of a thinking, you know, more more like the the idealized version of Hal Jordan. Especially since it's right. coming from Alex Ross, it's it's the you know it's the, on the pedestal Hal Jordan. So I think mm-hmm. that, that so but but it's still to me it still struck me as kind of refreshing to see to see that you know version of of Hal Jordan to see, to see him also being a little being a little human in the sense of almost because he kind of figures his the clock is winding out and running out and winding down on him reflecting on you know, why more or less. It, Philosophically, why did Abin give me this ring? And also, maybe not, you know, not philosophically, why did he give me this ring if I can't figure a way out of this? <laughs> why am I worthy of this ring if I'm stuck in this situation and, and we can't figure a way out? But I did, li- I did like the, I did like the Green Lantern stuff a lot in this issue. Right. Uh, one thing I was surprised I, I liked, uh, or not surprised I liked, but surprised I liked so much that it made me take notice of it was the conversation uh, between Brainiac, Luther, and Grodd. Because um, usually when you see like the Legion of Doom and various other characters together, there are certain character interactions you look forward to because they're classic, uh, and certain character interactions you like because you haven't really seen that dynamic before. Um, and this, uh, the latter is more what I'm referring to, is because you're, us- you're kind of used to... Uh, whether it's an anim, you know, and more of an animosity or a begrudging, you know, will to work together, you you kind of have seen the Brainiac Luther, you know, dynamic before. But I like the addition of Grodd in there. Yes, and I don't. Yeah, I like I like how he works in there. He stands on almost equal footing, and L- Luther looks down at everybody, and. <laughs> Brainiac looks down on any any like really uh, uh, organic beings, <laughs> so it's not that they're not looking down on Grodd, but it not in any way that's obvious, like they're talking down to him or anything. Um, so I like to maybe they are kind of subtly, but I like I like seeing Grodd on equal footing with them. No, I thought that was a nice touch too, just like. Just like the, you know, should I should I send the dream to Black Adam? I like that part too. Yeah, uh, that was kind of inter- that was kind of interesting. Um, I, I mean, it's, as far as the art is concerned, the beginning of this was really weird, and I don't mean the stuff with uh, Superman and Shiz- uh, and Captain Marvel in space, but uh, Giganta growing. Has she always been distorted in her growth? I don't. Because she's almost like the blob, like just various pieces of her expanding one at a time. Well, like actually, like two more, like Two Face in that one page. Yeah. I mean, you should have died from my bullet, Adam. That page that that her whole face kind of pops out, you know, almost in a in a Harvey Dent kind of way. But I mean, I'm not quite. I don't quite remember that. But maybe it's also the the skewed perspective of of Ray Palmer because he's so small. That maybe everything kind of like looks so much more distorted because he's smaller, and I'm, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it did it did kind of it did kind of seem odd. Yeah, I I remember somebody telling him once upon a time, or maybe I overheard it on another podcast that Alex Ross, when he's doing the designs for these characters, that they're all based off certain actors. Do you remember? Or do you know who he bases Hal off of? I probably did at some point, but I would be lying if I said off the top of my head I remember it. Because he looks familiar, 
and I just don't know how. Hmm. Let me see if I can. I'm, I'm, I hear you typing too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know who he. Uh, who he uh, bases him off of. Hmm. I'm sure there's uh, somewhere out there that that says what, but uh, yeah. Damn it. Oh well. All right. Um. How about the stuff between uh, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, and uh, Jean? It was, it was okay. I mean, to me, just jumping, look, just trying to view, look at this as the issue itself. Now putting all the pieces back together, it was, I, I mean, it was nice interaction. I mean, I think whenever, and Lord knows, we certainly we we don't see much of that anymore. So maybe it maybe it just makes me reminisce or, or get nostalgic. But anytime John, you know, John Jones is dealing with people that it's kind of cool you know I, I miss him in the justice league so seeing him interact with other justice league members is and people as oftentimes the people now especially as time goes on people tend to it's really easy to forget you know how important he was to the justice league and how powerful that he is as an individual so it's always nice to see him interact with the justice league i kind of like this that this is you know your, your classic justice league which would make sense because it's from alex ross um, yeah, I like. I, I always like the dynamic that John has with various people. Less so, Superman, uh, Hawkman, Hawk Girl, Hawk Girl. You know, it's because Thanagarians, Kryptonians—they're all aliens. Um, but I've always liked the dynamic, and I think they mentioned this uh, last year on either our show or one of the other shows that covered uh, uh, JLA Year One um, for uh, for JL May. Um, the the cool dynamic between Hal and John, because there was a part of that story, I, I believe it was that story, where you see the interaction between um, Hal and John as special because Barry, Diana, uh, Dinah, you know, all these other folks are looking at John, you know, as an alien, as an outsider. But Hal seems to be the only one who's not phased by that because he's a Green Lantern. <laughs> right. So I always like that that sort of that Hal is a human who immediately still puts John on an equal footing. So it's not that him and John have a special connection because, hey, they're both aliens, just like him and Superman and him and Hawkman and so on and so forth. Um, but that they're on equal footing. As, as a matter of fact, I think it'd be interesting to see um, – John and Adam Strange together for the same reason. That is true. Um, so I think that'd be cool. So as much as I really I do really like the art here, um, seeing them just fly through the city and you know the the lights reflecting off their skin and and stuff like that. Um, I do like all of that, but it's sort of the most. Uh, I don't want to say boring because that feels like the wrong word, but that's all I'm thinking of at the uh, at the moment. The most boring of the portion of, uh, of this comic. Hmm. I, I I see where you're going with it. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um. Now uh, maybe I'm an idiot, but who is this guy that's injecting stuff in people's eyes? Am I just not paying attention uh, close enough as I'm reading all of this? Let me go back. Let's see. Does it say where we are? Does it say where they are? Mm, it looks like Asia. Asia. No, it doesn't say anything. At least no, not in this issue. Yeah, it's probably something where 
we probably should pick up on, but just based on the clues in this issue, it'd be hard. Yeah, it's got to be. It, it's got to be one of the supervillains. Like, there's supposed to be some sort of visual clue here. Um, the only thing I can think about is that maybe it's Scarecrow, because there's a hint of yellow here, and Scarecrow does have. Um, I don't, maybe medical training. He's he's a chemist at the very least, isn't he? But he was supposed to he was a psychiatrist, wasn't he? Oh yeah, a psychiatrist. Like, yeah, so so I yeah. probably, so I would I would lean against that because he's obviously if he's putting physical drops in people's eyes and that's not so I uh, I don't know. It's hard okay. to, it's hard from yeah it's hard to base on the locale and based on the way it's referenced for me anyway. Off the top of my head, I'm not, I'm not getting who it if it is supposed to be somebody who it is. Sadly. Hmm. Um, as for the cities, I I have no idea what the game plan is there. And what Joker's obsession with getting there is is beyond me, unless it's as simple as Joker doesn't like being left out. Possible. Knowing him, that could be a that could that, that's usually a strong enough motive. Yeah. Because he was yelling at Nigma in a prior issue about, you know, let me know what's going on. I want in, I want in, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the stuff with Wonder Woman and Batman and Ivy, uh, it's all, you know, there's, it's funny. They, they gave us this issue because, you know, there's, there's some interesting Green Lantern stuff really happening here. There's some issues where he's, you know, this stuff is still happening to him, but it's only like one page instead of the several we get. But it's also interesting how much green is in this issue. That's yeah, true, too. There's a lot of green tint in the Batcave. There's the green tint of the city reflecting off of, uh, of uh, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, and John. So, <clears throat> but as for... No, go ahead. No, no, you go first. As for that interaction, though, I don't, I don't know how I quite feel about it or how I even understand what's, what's happening uh, to them. Like... I feel like there's there's a, a mix of bio, biological stuff that Grodd is using to get control of these people, but Grodd himself is also in control. But somehow Poison Ivy is in on this too. Like, what are the components that are making up all of these various things here? Is, you know what I mean? No, I, know, I know what you mean. Actually, when you think about it, as you pointed out, it, it should be. And maybe it's, maybe if this is the case, it's not a coincidence considering that we're talking about dealing with Batman here. That he, in a way, he's you would think he's going to be one of the hardest ones to subjugate and bring under control. So you know, so you do have if you got a if you have like a physical element like a parasite, you have the mind control of Gorilla Grodd, but you also have like the you know the pheromones and everything else of Poison Ivy. So it's kind of so maybe that is not a coincidence that they're trying to do the triple whammy. To use on Batman because they figure they if there's one if there's one character they're going to need to do who's going to need to be try to you know subdued three different ways to make sure he, that you, that he's not going to shake it off it might be Batman. But I do yeah. find but I do find it interesting timing wise since we just since we just did Green Lanterns when when Alfred when was mind controlled and was trying to kill people and here we go here we go again. <laughs> That's what I thought of when I see Alfred freaking out again. It's like, didn't we just see that? <laughs> Come on, Batman, recite that John Dun- the, that John Dunn uh, poem again. For one brief moment, I thought there was going to be a reference in that. It's like, oh, so look, Humphreys really did do his his homework. <laughs> uh, see current issues of Green Lanterns. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I I'm just not getting it. I don't see 
and like you said, maybe it's it's a piece of everything. You know, Scarecrow's fear toxin, uh, Ivy's pheromones, Grodd's mind control, blah, 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 blah. Um, <clears throat> but they also reference later on, they talk about, not, not in this issue, but in uh, kind of a kind of redhead in, in the fact that I've skimmed an issue or two. Um, I, I'm, I'm technically involved in the coverage of issue nine, but only in terms of somebody's doing something really cool with that. Um, <clears throat> but they also talk about somebody being under Brainiac's control. So like, I, it's, it's kind of confusing to me how these different pieces link up and what their various connections are because Ivy's standing right there. So she has to have some sort of control over Batman and Alfred and is it her st- is it is it they're already under this whatever this thing is that's being put in people's eyes the grod control and ivy exerting her own control while she's in the vicinity or is ivy's control already naturally a part of everything that's going on and that's i just it's crazy to me i don't get what's going on plus you know uh it, by get, I mean fully understand. I don't necessarily mean it's confusing to me that they're being controlled and who's doing the controlling. It's just the vehicle by which the controlling is being done. Well said. <laughs> what did you – I mean there's, there's, there's not much there. What did you think of the stuff with uh, Tom, John, and uh, Carol? That was kind of funny. <laughs> I'm trying – I mean it's kind of interesting because – that's not how I would fi- picture John would look entirely. I mean, I guess it's not. It's kind of close in a way to maybe how he was when he first was created, but to me that's facially yes. not entirely how I would see John now. Uh, uh, Th- Tom has a – Tom reminded me of somebody at first, but it, but it, but it slipped my mind who he, who they, he kind of looks like. <laughs> he kind of looks like an Asian version of Matt Damon too. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Carol, Carol doesn't really look that Carol-like, but I don't know. She's uh, not like a, like not like how we're used to seeing Carol now. Back then, true. yeah, back back in your classic Carol Ferris kind of look or garb. Yeah, she's she's pretty dead on. I like the way she, how she's kind of wearing a flight jacket too. A flight jacket, some blue jeans. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. Um, the stuff that's happening with Hal, is it is it odd to you the way in which these uh, word bubbles are organized? Like, is this is he talking to himself in relatively quick succession, or is he thinking aloud? You know, like every twenty thirty minutes or so between each of these panels. You mean when he's actually on inside the ring looking at the city? Yes. Because the string of those word bubbles kind of makes sense, but also sounds um, like he's leapfrogging from idea to idea. I think, you know, and, I, and probably, and it probably was was written and/or drawn this way on purpose to kind of like give you both to give so it could be interpreted both ways. It obviously could be interpreted that this is just like you know one like you know five minute scene, and but because of the because. Of, how he says, you know, when he gets to the point when he says, "I wonder how long it's going to take," you know, I'm, before I pretty much give, you know, give, give myself up, more or less for dead, give myself up to, into to space. That it could very well denote the fact that you know this has been that this whole conversation, even now that he's that he's having, 
either it's it's kind of over an extended period or simply the fact that he knows that it's not over an extended period, that this is really like five minutes of his time and he's already getting frustrated and feeling hopeless. So the, the idea of how – that I've barely been doing this, so how much longer do I think I can do this before I'm willing to just pack it in? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I do like the um – on this, on this last page, and I'm like, speaking of leapfrogging from idea to idea, that's kind of what I'm doing here. <laughs> um, on this very last page, on this very last panel, I like seeing this Alex Ross flash, um, haggard, worn, um, running uncontrollably, and I can't stop. Yes. The reason, the reason being, is it almost looked, it almost reminds me of Crisis. Yes. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be directly an homage to Crisis, where you know he couldn't score. He, basically, him him saying he can't stop because he needs he needs not to stop to do what he needs to do, as opposed to now when he's saying I can't stop because you assume he literally can't stop. <laughs> right. And and uh, keep in mind, folks, I'm reading the digital issues uh, again. As I said earlier in the episode, I don't have any physical copies of these. When Red Tornado is saying he knows where. Um, Arthur is because he's commanding the fish to show us where he is. When we when we see that particular panel, those white lines, is that what he means by he's commanding the fish to show us? The fish are just like lining up in a way that can be seen from space? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Because uh, 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 it didn't make sense to me uh, when I looked at it. I was like, that's the only way – Like. <laughs> Is there a fish down there with a computer? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how is how is he commanding the fish to show them? Um, and if if uh, Red Tornado found him, he did it from the satellite. And <laughs> Arthur's commanding enough fish to make lines pointing to Argentina that can be seen from space. Could just be sharks, man. Just really big fucking sharks. <laughs> well, he had a whole bunch of twelve. 12, 15-foot sharks lining up in a, at the surface. <laughs> you could do it. I guess. <laughs> we've, we've seen crazier stuff. Come on, man. <laughs> um, just because some other people have touched on it, we've got the two pages in the back uh, from Batman's Files on uh, the Atom and Giganta. Um, do you have anything to say about either of those? I, I did like the fact that it we we get another glimpse of it, as you pointed out the old the the warped disgusting looking growing gigantic. <laughs> and yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's almost like she's the Hulk because when we see when we see Hulk like grow, especially in the movies, he kind of just like explodes out and then jerks and bones snap into place. You know what I mean? We've seen yeah. that on the we've seen that hell even in the Avengers movie when he crashes through the floor with Black Widow, he kind of spasms and different pieces of him kind of explode out and then he's fully the Hulk. It's not just like, again, in the Avengers where he, he kind of grows automatically when he says, I'm always angry. Yeah. There was, we saw kind of two different ways Hulk transformed in that one movie and it was more like the former than the latter for Giganta. That is true. But in a much more extreme way. Yeah. And not, not a very flattering way at that. <laughs> No, but but I did like in the notes from the Bat Computer how her ability to manipulate her size suggests power similar similar to those of the Atom. I like that. Yeah, he mentions in his file one day they'll have to face each other, and I have to remind Ray, basically because of who he is, that she's just a gorilla. She's an animal. 
who's been transformed into a woman who can grow. <laughs> Which I never got that part of Giganta's history, but we'll, uh, of of like the comic booky crazy concepts that are out there, the history of Giganta's origin is one of the more out there ones I've ever encountered. <laughs> yeah, you can't really argue with that. <laughs> All right. Anything else about this issue? Not off the top of my head. I I enjoyed it though. Again, it, like I said, you're being dropped right back into the story, literally, literally like in the middle of the story is kind of hard. Though I like I do, you know, I did kind of remember the basic, you know, building blocks of the story, and even this issue kind of it gives you a little bit of a catch, you know, a, a primer to to where we are. But I did enjoy I did enjoy the story, and I think it's. As I remember, as I remember this story, I, I did kind of like this more than Year One, but but then again, it's been a long time since I read this one, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I guess one other thing to talk about is the cover. What did you think of the cover? Oh, was the eye, but the eyeball or the poison yeah. ivy thing? I kind of I love. It's an interesting choice with poison ivy. It's because it's not it's it's not to say she wasn't an important part of of the of the book because she was. It's just the fact that obviously we know Ray and Poison Ivy don't really have any interaction in this issue, <laughs> but it's a cover for you. But symbolically, symbolically it works. I, I do like it. I think it's 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 stylistically it's very it's very cool. Yeah, um, you know what? <laughs> it seems obvious after obviously reading the issue that we're looking at Giganta's eye, and reflected in it is Poison Ivy, which is all makes sense. But what I think is odd or not necessarily odd, is what I saw immediately when I first saw it, I saw a giant eyeball tinted in green. So I immediately thought of, what's her name, from the Legion of Superheroes, the, the supervillain? Is, is it is it Emerald Empress? Is that her name? Uh, might be. She's got, she's got the big eye. Drawing a blank. It, that's, that's not what I thought of, so I can't. Ah, dang it. Uh, let's see. Emerald... Empress, I got. I got to make sure I keep my geek cred here because I got a bunch of uh, uh, fans of Legion listening to this. If they're coming from, <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, I'm right. Emerald Empress. Um, so yeah, Emerald Empress with a big floating green magic eye um, thing, and it made me think, like, how kind of cool it would be to maybe get a uh, Legion of Superheroes. And Justice League, or just Legion of Superheroes, Alex Ross story. But I wonder if Alex Ross would even do it because doesn't he have a cutoff for his like what things he will do? He will only do certain versions of certain characters. I believe that's correct. Like he won't do Firestorm because he's not gonna. He doesn't think Firestorm is part of the true JLA. You know that kind of a thing. Uh, and you know when you see. Him doing Marvel characters, you know, as much as the Marvel characters' uniforms have changed over the years, he only does certain versions of their costumes. So I don't know what version of the Legion Alex Ross has in his mind, and if it would be enough characters or concepts to even make it worth his while. But I forget, you don't have much of an interest in the Legion, do you? No, I really don't. <laughs> Truth be told, I have very very little interest in, in the Legion. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about this issue? 
it was a fun trip down memory lane to read it and to go through it. And I and I do like Alex Ross's art. So even though it's some, but Alex Ross's art and it's kind of because he tries to be so realistic sometimes with the costumes, it's kind of hard to get used to. Like Batman. Yeah, Batman. Batman actually is one I was I was absolutely thinking of, but it's it's. Yeah, it's it's so realistic that sometimes again it's it takes sometimes it's hard it it's it's a different style you know it's it's stylized differently so it's not the way we're used to seeing those uniforms or costumes drawn so it's kind of but Batman yes Batman is absolutely one of them plus plus obviously the choice of costume for Batman too so they go hand they kind of go hand in hand with with him. <clears throat> Okay, cool. All right, guys. Uh, before we uh, close out the episode and everything, I wanted to point you in the direction of where to find the next installments of the JLMA 2017 crossover. Um, the next episode covering issue number seven should be coming out relatively soon from the Shazam cast. So check out the Shazam cast. Uh, following that, you'll be uh, heading over to for Justice number eight over at Comic Reflections. The Justice Number Nine issue, very special uh, way they're covering that there, which I will not spoil for them here, is going to be covered over on the Silver and Gold podcast. Uh, Justice Number Ten is going to be covered over by our friend Ryan Daly on the Power of Fishnets uh, podcast over on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Justice Number Eleven will be covered by the Waiting for Doom podcast. And the finale of this JLMA crossover, uh, issue number 12, will be handled by the Justice's First Dawn podcast. So definitely make sure you check out all those podcasts, both the ones uh, following us and the ones preceding us for the entire JL May crossover event. And if you're on the social media, please, please, please use the hashtag JL May. We're just using the same uh, hashtag for as we did last year because, well, it's been a year since anybody used that uh, hashtag, so it's pretty easy to delineate who's talking about what. <laughs> but before we go into the closing, anybody else who, anybody who's listening to the show for the first time as part of the JL May crossover event, I want to let you know kind of what's coming up uh, on the show. Mark, do you want to tell anybody what's going on uh, maybe in the next episode or so? So what's coming next, now we've now we got to keep our fingers crossed because we're hoping everything comes comes off the way we're planning it. <laughs> it does involve other people's schedules. Yeah, but the, but the signs are good considering considering how – that's what makes me nervous, how easily so far it, it seems to uh, have come together. But ideally, the next episode we will be doing is – for number 280 will be the State of the Green Lantern Union 2017, which was kind of funny because I went back, and I'll touch upon this when we when we actually start recording this episode, <laughs> that I went back and listened to some of our last episode, it is, and it is kind of funny that there was that there was a point we talked about in that issue, which uh, <laughs> actually multiple points that, that like, a, like a year plus later it hasn't really been changed. It hasn't really been touched upon anymore since the last time we talked about it. It is kind of it is kind of funny. Uh, so uh, so yes, so it should so should we say who's ideally going to be on, or do we want to leave it as a surprise? No, no, no. Tell people. Tell people. I mean, if they if they, people end up canceling, uh, then that's one thing. You know, we can't help other people's schedules. But 
Yes. You know, if all goes according to plan, yes. uh, we should have a couple of returning uh, people in terms of the state of the GL union. Yes. And then a couple of new people to that show, but not new, uh, not uh, new to that episode, but not new to the show. Okay, you were well, so vague. Like, I almost hate to give specifics now. <laughs> was I that? Is I was I was that good at being vague? You were, you were that good at being vague. So I'm. So <laughs> it's up to you, man. This this is your baby. You're the one who said put, let's do this again. Now you pressure on me. Uh, but ah, screw it. Uh, this is where I was going before you you painted such a, perp- a beautifully vague picture. <laughs> <laughs> the, the invisible ink on those brushes or, or black ink just to cover everything up. It was just so perfect. So ideally, if, ever, if the, the game plan is besides Chad and I, which is a shocker enough that we're actually going to be record, what, three episodes in a row together? <laughs> but besides that shocking event, uh, ideally, perfectly plan-wise, we have Jim Jim and Dan will be coming back on. Myron, Myron Rumsey will be coming back on from the, the blog of OA. The blog slash podcast, podcast of, Oa. of Oa. And Corwin Kroll will be back, who, who has been on quite a bit lately, but he will be back. So, And that is the game plan to discuss the what has happened pretty much in the the DC Rebirth era up to the, you know what has happened, what we think about what's going on now, and what we want to happen in the future. And maybe just also what we want – what we want to see and or what we think we will see because we're, we're kind of going to – this is going to be an interesting episode because we know the resolution, the, the explanation for you know the new 52 slash rebirth. You know, that's all up – we know what certainly – we know what they're hinting at is going gonna to be involved, but we still don't know really what's involved, who's involved, how it went down. But there's a lot of potential ways to explain away different crap that we, we've seen in the last few years in a lot of books, especially Green Lantern books, that there's a lot of openings to kind of explain away some of the stuff maybe that people didn't like. <laughs> so it, it might be interesting to talk about not just what we want to see but what we think we're going to see because there's a lot of a lot of different – like choose your own adventure. There's a lot of different ro- roads that you know we could go down because of the rebirth new 52 mystery so yeah and kind of mark kind of half mentioned it there uh but only because it wasn't a secret from how we structured the first state of the green lantern union episode three kind of overarching main questions we ask where are we currently and how do we feel about it where are we headed based on solicits and so on and so forth and what do we think about that and where do we want the series to go? Where do we hope it goes? Where do we hope gets resolved? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, Mark had the idea uh, to focus slightly more, but not 100%, you know, on the emotional spectrum side of things. Uh, so there will be an emotional spectrum kind of aspect to everything, but it's not going to be just, you know uh, – Jeff John's continuity type stuff. <laughs> uh, we're not we're not just uh, you know the Jeff John's apologetics here. <laughs> um, so that's the big one that's coming up next, episode 280. And only because we kind of did this cool promo image on our social media content, and later in the year you'll have big episodes like we want to cover, and presumably we'll cover in 2017. Uh, at least we said sometime in 2017, the Green Lantern Fear itself storyline. We will wrap up our fi- our coverage of the Green Lantern quarterlies um, with the final uh, quarterly um, uh, episode. That will, and that we will do one one way or the other. That will be 
that will be recorded. It, this is that's about as much as we can cover our you know what. And absolutely, barring some miracle of God, this will be recorded by the end of the second quarter. <laughs> yes. That, yes. And that's what and that was our goal to begin with. Because by the time we actually started discussing our schedule, I mean, and and Chad accurately refreshed my memory that we didn't actually finish this off in the fourth quarter last year like we should have. By the time we had discussed it, we already knew we were not going to get it done in the first quarter of 2017. So we had kind of set our goal to get it done by the by the second quarter. So that means by the end of June, and we will get it done by the we will get it done by the end of June. And sometime in 2017. Uh, there will be a return of the Lantern Cast presents Elseworlds. Um, so we'll do an Elseworlds episode, at least one in 2017. And finally, another big episode coming out sometime in 2017, probably towards the sec- uh, beginning of the third, maybe the fourth quarter of the year, will be the Snowbirds Don't Fly episode of Green Lantern, uh, Lantern Cast presents Green Lantern, Green Arrow, the spinoff, nice. which I plan to make a mega episode. So uh, lots of big stuff coming down the road for the Lantern Cast, including, of course, your regular issue reviews, um, various other content we want to get out there. I'd like to do at least one creator interview at some point this year, so we'll try and do that as well. But uh, keep your uh, eyes peeled on our uh, website and social media and your ears uh, peeled uh, for the show and listen to what's coming up from us uh, in the year 2017. But in the meantime, uh, keep uh, keep your eye on the JLMay hashtag for all the uh, other posts. Uh, and next up, you will hear us uh, pass the baton over to the Shazam cast. And uh, the folks over there, I'm assuming, will do a fantastic job. Actually, I know. I know they'll do a fantastic say, job. No, there's no doubt there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, head on over to the Shazam cast. But uh, in the meantime, if you want to find us, Mark, how can they do so? Easiest way to contact us, lanterncast at gmail.com, our website, lanterncast.com, uh, latest episodes, ring encyclopedia episodes, theoretically new Dark Star reviews one of these days, blogs, movie reviews, posts, we, we pretty much, pretty much everything lately, you know, whatever we do something, we put, we put it up there, there'll be a link to it. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on either one of those. iTunes and Stitcher, we are on both, so whichever platform you choose to listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, though it's kind of been it's kind of been least lately because we haven't gotten one in a while, <laughs> 708 Lantern is our voicemail, 708 Lantern. So let, let us know what you think, what, uh, what episodes you're looking forward to, what you would what topics, if we haven't kind of mentioned your, a topic you're interested in, just let us know, and we'll put it on the list. Just don't – please try not to say Larflees, and <laughs> you'll get greater consideration if you do not say Larflees. <laughs> not the character, just the series. Um, and I think that's it for now. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and again – uh, we are just going to go ahead and pass the baton over to the Shazamcast over at Shazamcast.com, and they're up with issue number eight. Shazam! Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>